Sri Ramana Maharshi has said that the real self is the state in which the word I does not arise. Not even implicitly as a concept. This might seem like a paradox. How can it be a self if there's no I? But when the I arises, the real is split open between that which is identified as I and that which is identified as not I. Suddenly we are in a world of subject-object duality. But before that, reality is whole. We are in the real. And then, everything that is in subject is suddenly behind our back. The I creates the unconscious. And it creates a sense of a false self which is a response then to the not I, to the other. And then suddenly there's a power struggle and a need to deceive the other, a need to hide, and that hiding becomes a hiding from oneself of all that had been repressed, including that primordial wholeness. And yet all of that is illusion, but it's an illusion sustained by the production of language in the mind. And so meditation is simply the refusal to allow that production of words in the mind to continue. When we stop that flow of words, we return to the original state of wholeness that is prior to language and beyond language. That language, which is a great instrument, it has its purposes, it's useful to analyze Reality. once reality in the form of egos have come into being and to create sciences, to study the various elements of the natural world. But the truth is there are no real elements. Even what we think of as material is simply a grid of concepts that have been laid over the real. And any grid of concepts, any system of thought is going to be inadequate and inconsistent and it will lack the wholeness. And so the sciences have come to the limitations of their own potential because the very observer, the I observing the other, interferes with the observations. And it turns out that the observations based on what we can call Aristotelian logic, which is the logic of identity, the I versus the not I, itself does not correspond to the real. And since quantum physics began and they discovered that a single electron can go through two slits simultaneously, they have had to throw out that logic, at least at the level of the most elementary particles. And now they've discovered more and more that that same truth is available, is is actually here at all levels, but we conveniently tune it out thanks to the sensor that lies behind the conscious eye. So the real cannot actually be graphed by science or logic or any system of thought. So every system of thought comes to a point where it no longer serves us. It becomes obsolescent and self-defeating. That's called karma. And once we have reached that point, we eventually we'll recognize that it is our thought itself. It's not the world that we project through our thought, but the thought itself that has some glitch 
some incorrect understanding of the real. And the only way to repair that and create a system upgrade that will then be able to more accurately and, and more felicitously understand reality will require a letting go of all of the frames of reference created by language, by our conceptualization of what is real, which turns out to not be real. So we discover that there's such a thing as maya, illusion, and that all along we've been living in illusion. What the yogis have discovered is that there, and, and this has now been confirmed by modern mathematical logic and science, is that no system of understanding can grasp reality. The only way to grasp the real is to realize that you are the real. And the effort to grasp it has actually been pushing it away and creating a false sense of a separate I that wants to grasp something alien to itself when in fact that which it is trying to grasp is a projection of its own essence. And that the I that wants to grasp it, that has that desire, does not emerge from the limited local self, but is actually an artifact of a non-local phenomenon, a cosmic mind, the cosmic mind, in fact, operating through a limited instrument. When we accept that reality, that the limited mind is only an instrument of a larger mind, and that larger mind does not use human language in order to express itself, then we can surrender the limited to the unlimited. And that will bring about an unrestricted act of understanding, a capacity that will now reunite that alienated subject-object duality in a recognition of being. And that is salvation. That is the redemption of the false self lost in a world of matter, of time, of space, of meaninglessness, ultimately, since no meaning can grasp reality, ultimately, and bring you back to fullness rather than an empty entity, the fullness of our true being, the bliss, the love, everything that we have been seeking and have felt had been lost or that we had been, we have squandered and our tanks are now running on empty. All of those feelings come only from identifying with a false entity that never existed at all except as an imaginary illusion. And when we are willing to sit in the silence and surrender to that presence that transcends definition or description, then the alienated fragments of reality that are caught in the various levels of ego reunite, they they knit back together. And there is an experience of wholeness and a flow of energy, enormous, unlimited energy. And no longer a fearful entity who is actually trying to ward off the very entity, that energy that would save it from itself. There will no longer be a terror of the infinite or a fear of love or a fear of not being in control. All of those enemies within that keep one from the happiness one seeks will fall away naturally. So the act of meditation is very simple. It is simply returning 
to the essential awareness that we are prior to thought. That's simple. And then you'll discover that that awareness is not an emptiness in the normal sense of being empty of of energy or life or of being. But in fact, it is fullness. What it is empty of is only words, desire, fear, all of the egoic detritus that we took for reality, but was just actually worthless. And that emptiness, once we empty out of the ego, becomes the fullness of divine being. In the beginning, because this fullness is intermittent, most people experience this once in a while during a good meditation, but most of the time not, in many meditations not. Therefore, we cannot identify with it in the beginning. It, it is not experienced as self. It is experienced as grace, as a, a downloading or a gift of the presence of God. And so when one is in that state of consciousness or that assemblage point, it is important to have reverence for God. At a higher state, that which is considered God is considered other will be realized as the self, that there is no duality between God and self. But we must begin by a surrender of what we think of as self that really isn't to the infinite. And that is why religion is so important. But the religion must not fixate God as some imaginary other, but recognize that when you use the word God, you don't know what you mean. And if you're not comfortable with a God, put X or put Buddha nature or or put Brahman or any other word. It doesn't matter because it represents the unknown. But when you surrender to that unknown that is transcendent, then knowledge of real being becomes palpable. And then you can get to the state of realization of the Advaita, the non-duality of all that is. Okay? So if we take this one step at a time and not try to leapfrog to a level of truth that does not correspond to our actual feeling states, we sabotage the, the spiritual journey. For Ramana Maharshi, Advaita is absolutely correct. But for those who are in an ego state, a, a sense of sacred surrender is essential. Because that brings about humility that punctures the ego's vainglory, hubris, I-know-it-all attitude, cynicism, which also brings about behind that despair and anxiety. And so that's why religions have focused on puncturing the ego, because the ego will have a false bravado about reality, and behind that is only terror and feeling like a fake, feeling like someone who is unreal, and that's a fact. But behind the unreal that we hide, we have hidden from ourselves the absolutely real that is divine and beautiful. And without doubt and without fear and without anything except bliss. But a bliss that contains all that is and is timeless. And is the source of everything that we consider beautiful and is pure love. So the fact that we are that, if we can have faith in that, and if you don't yet realize that you are that, that there is 
a divine, supreme, real, supreme self that is that and that is here for you in an unconditionally loving way, you can break through the despair of the alienation from all that is good.